This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery, so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing. But rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 45 of the Stacey West podcast. I'm Ben and as ever Gary's with me. How are you getting on? I'm doing very well mate. It's just exciting to be back in it on a Wednesday night or Thursday as it's released yeah. talking about football. Absolutely yeah it's uh it felt good to get back to the bank for competitive football on uh, on Saturday for sure. It felt like we were it felt like I was home. I know that's a real cliche, but it really did. Like you know, you've got your. It's like when you come back off holiday and you you get back into your own bed. You just go, ah, oh, this is nice. Oh, yeah, I think there's an element of the unknown as well, especially you know, when you're a season ticket holder and you go in and you don't know if the same people are going to be sat around you. Um, and the, you know, the subtle differences are what kind of differentiates the seasons. I think if it was too comfortable and too, ah, here we are again, you know, you'd kind of stagnate maybe. But, you know, you're turning mm. up and it's the different kits and it's uh, one or two different players and what would look to be a completely different game plan. And that kind of, you know, it makes it feel fresh as well as, as old. Do you know what I mean? It's it's like a new series, uh, a new series of your favourite show starting, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, Peaky Blinders 6, brilliant. I hope it's better than 5, that sort of thing. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a bit like, um, you know, when they when they get in sort of the big guests start taking a role and you're not quite sure what they're going to bring to it, but it actually works out really well, at least initially. Um, but yeah. uh, like, like where they brought Lord Baelish into Peaky Blinders. <laughs> it's like that, it? you, know, you know he was great in Game of Thrones. Like we knew Jack Payne was great when he was uh, when he was at South End, but how's he going to fit into to our series? And uh, as it turns out, bloody well. <laughs> the yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, before we delve sort of straight uh, before we delve into the game, just want to say that you know um, it, it was it was kind of like being back home. The only downside for me is that they've stopped doing cores in the bar, which means that if you want to have a lager, you've got to have carling, which I'm not the biggest fan of. Um, Don't get me started. <laughs> because, right, you think that's a hardship. I don't drink alcohol, do I? I drink Coke. So I, yeah. I, went on, I went to ask for a Coke in the bar 
and I got this kind of carbonated flat nastiness, definitely not Coke. <laughs> uh, and But I went in under the stands and asked for a bottle of Coke. Do you know what they gave me? They gave you Pepsi, didn't they? They gave me Pepsi Max. Ooh. That's like going into cafe saying, can I have a bacon sandwich and getting a sock full of sick instead. I don't mind Pepsi Max. It's it's not too bad, but I suppose when you're asking for a Coke and you're used to it, it's, uh, yeah, it's yeah, not I'm great. Not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to be raising it at the sports board meeting. Fair enough. But um, no, yeah, I think it, we had a decent sort of pre-match. It was nice to get back. Nice to see the the regular faces. Um, Mr. Scully popped over and had a little chat as well, which was uh, quite enlightening on a couple of topics. Um, not with me. Where was I? You were you were too busy. You were too busy chatting people up because you look like John Lennon. <laughs> did I even did I see you pretty much? Yeah, we had a we had a brief chat. I'm glad it was memorable for you, Gary. I saw the lovely Rachel in the club shop. I don't forget that. I, I saw your yeah. your better half, but I don't remember seeing you, man. You saw me in the street as you were walking away from the club shop, and then you saw me at the ground. <laughs> and then I saw you on the way out of the ground when we were rushing to try and get back to the car because my dad had got a face on because we couldn't get hold of my mate Dave on the phone. And dad was saying things like, we'll leave him, we'll bloody leave him. And all the way, seriously, from Sinsel Bank to the car park, which was Rumbold Street, my dad was effing and jeffing. And when we got back to Rumbold Street, Dave was stood at the car waiting for us. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was nice to sort of, nice to get that. The, the the Saturday ritual back into place, I think. Um, definitely something that I'd missed and uh, I was really, really glad to see it. Um, just um, as a as a quick aside, um, on, a, on a sort of personal level, want to send our best wishes, uh, our best wishes to um, friend of the pod, Paul, Paul Stalabras. Um, I know he's, he's been going through quite a bit at the minute. So um, he's, uh, yeah just our thoughts are with him at uh, what's proven to be a bit of a difficult time at the minute. And I don't want him to, uh, I don't want him to think that, uh, you know, he's, he's got to go through it on his own at the minute. So yeah. Yeah. I'll second that. He's a top bloke. We always see him. He always comes over and has a chat. Um, and while we're on the, the subject, I'd like to send best wishes to Terry, my accountant as well, who messaged me last week, um, just out of the blue to tell me that he had just had major heart surgery and he was recovering. So, Oh, Jesus. Um, so I didn't send in my accounts for a couple of days, you know, give him a bit of time to recover. So, um, yeah. so yeah, let's look at Terry as well. So yeah. Should we talk I mean, about some football? Yeah. I was going to say, as long as it wasn't your accounts that gave him, uh, gave him the incident that, that forced the surgery. That's, that's the no, they thing. give me a heart attack. They do. So. <laughs> um, but yes, we'll talk about football and, uh, what a game it was. Um, I, I think we both predicted a win. Um, I said, we'd probably get it one nil. And I think you said two one, um, and let's be fair, it could have been more goals on both sides. I think uh, Josh pulled off a couple of decent stops and their keeper, I'd, I'd like to have whatever he had on Saturday morning for his breakfast, to be honest, because he was absolutely fantastic. Um, but it was a very good 2-0 win. We played some really, really lovely football um, and the new guys settled in better than I think anyone thought possible, really, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Let's let's just temper uh, expectations straight away. And it was it was a very good game. I'm not going to get carried away with the win um, or the style of football, with it being the opening day of the season. Accrington mm-hmm. are a team I expect to be in the bottom quarter, and therefore we should be beating teams like Accrington. There was enough evidence to suggest that we won't be involved in a relegation battle, but we'll have to see in five or six games' time 
you know, I heard some people talking about possible top six, a little bit ahead of ourselves. Um, played some really nice stuff though, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Um, we've got some players with some real technique now. Uh, George Grant loves a trick and a flick. Uh, I'm going to be interested to see if he can if he can temper the tricks and flicks when he needs to. Because it was once or twice he just thought, you know, a straightforward pass might be better there than the step over. Um, but then at the same time, he did one like a Cruyff turn, I think, at one point and spread it out wide. And it was just one of those moments where you think... That's football as art. That's not football as a sport. Um, but it, yeah, it was good. It was nice to see or to certainly perceive a change of tactic. I'll touch on some numbers in a bit that that, that probably um, shed a little bit more light on on how we actually did play. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was good. You know, Accrington two years ago, if you'd beaten them two nil, you'd think we're going to be in the top three. You beat Accrington two nil now, and you think. It's a good start. It's a good solid start to the season. So I agree with you about Evtomov as well. Um, Pete Summers, Pete, good friend of the uh, the pod, messaged me yesterday and said that uh, I was basically talking guff when I said that it was a world class save, reminiscent of Gordon Banks. He thinks that the header was straight at Evtomov. So, um, but other than that, he still pulled off a couple of good saves. So yeah, um, yeah he had it. It was just a good game to watch, Ben. Wasn't it? It was a good game for the neutral. Yeah, absolutely. It was, um, I thought it was, you know, blood and thunder, 100 mile an hour, all the other cliches that you want to, you want to throw out at it. But it was, um, it, it was honestly, I think it was the best I've seen us play in quite some time. And I know that's, um, that's not being hyperbolic. That's not me going, oh, well, you know, we're fantastic. We're going to win, you know, we're going to walk the league. It was, it was just a genuinely really good really spirited performance from start to finish and i think it was uh, it was definitely one that um I'd, well i mean obviously there was a big change in game plan we we said that um you said that a little bit earlier and i just think it was um it was one of those games where i didn't feel like we were under a lot of threat i mean they they had a moment fairly early on where they broke broke quite quickly as well to be fair to them and they um they they forced i think was it I think that was where it went wide. Um, and I think there was a shot that went wide and it didn't look like it was, um, it, it didn't look like it was going wide initially. And that sort of put the frighteners up everybody. Cause for the first, um, the first sort of 10 minutes or so, it looked like we were easily getting the better of it. And then when they, uh, when they got that, the, the effort away and we thought, Oh, Oh yeah, we're not going to have it all our own way here. But after that kind of, I think the team settled really well. I think it's quite clear that they're, the mix of um, like the the youth and experience definitely seemed to be um, combining quite well as we sort of expected they would. Um, but then, of course, um, we had, I mean, we had an incident, but I, I actually missed it. Um, and it's one that a few people have been talking about, um, which we'll, we'll talk about the the slight downside before we come on to the goals um or well, before we come on to the, the, the major positives um but there was a bit of an uh, an issue uh, excuse me a bit of an incident with um Bruno and Bozzi I understand and I actually missed that at the time but I've sort of seen quite a bit made of it after the fact yeah don't let's not try and read too much into it um Bruno's going to have been very disappointed at not starting the game I, I had him down as starting the game. Um, so, yeah, 
I've I read a fair bit, and you know, you know I'm not going to respond to, to some of the social media comments. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I know some people felt that Bruno looked disinterested when he came in. He was so disinterested that he got himself into the six-yard area to be fouled for the penalty. So, you know, I, it's easy when you're trying to close the game down in the last 15 minutes to judge the players rather than the tactic, if you know what I mean. So I think that we did go a little bit longer later on. Um, I did catch a little bit of the incident. I'm, I'm not going to play too much into it. Um, You know, it's like Bruno at at Swindon last year where all hell broke loose and apparently he was kicking off with Danny on the touchline and and all that sort of stuff. If people could see some of the times I'd reacted to people who I worked with at Jackson building centers or uh, Jusons, they would have thought, that I was on my way, if you know what I mean. So in the heat of the moment, it's easy to for 9,000 people or 8,500 8, people to see one thing and read something into it when there's there's very little to it. Yeah. Wouldn't surprise me to learn that Bruno was going to be sold before the deadline. Um, so we shall see. But obviously, if he was going to be sold, that would have to happen tomorrow because, or today as you're listening to this because today is the championship deadline. So... Um, yeah, I, I'm not too worried. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I know that, um, that, as I say, there was an immediate kind of panic of, oh Christ, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna leave. That's it. It's gonna, he's over. It's over. We're gonna struggle for whatever. Um, from what I understand, he, he kind of left the game on um, on Monday against Forest. He left that with a bit of a limp. Um, so maybe it was just a precaution more than anything else um, for Saturday as to why he didn't start, but. Let's talk about the people that did start. I mean, I thought, um, I personally thought Jack Payne was outstanding start to finish. Um, he was given the, uh, the the sponsors man of the match. I know Tomo went with uh, Michael O'Connor on the on the Hope and Glory uh, well, on Radio Lincolnshire. Um, I was actually surprised that O'Connor started, and I know we had, we actually had that conversation, Gary. So I definitely remember. You know, you were definitely there and you definitely saw me when we had the conversation about being surprised <laughs> that Michael O'Donnell was starting. Um, but it, it was a, yeah, it, that was a moment where people were sort of getting the phones out and going, bloody hell, O'Connor's starting. That's a bit, hmm, we thought he was injured. Um, but yeah, I thought he he had a really good game doing that, the, the, the sort of gritty work that I know you've spoken about before. I thought George Grant um, had a really good game apart from a couple of, like you mentioned a little bit earlier, a bit of instance, a couple of moments when he just went, oh, yeah, well, maybe looked like he was uh, not going to, well, he lost the ball in the wrong place or tried to spray it out wide and it went to an opposition player or something like that. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the, the biggest surprise of the afternoon for me was actually Kian Bulger. Um, I... When he was when it was happening, like during the game, I thought to myself, he looks a bit off. Like he didn't, something didn't seem right with him. Um, he, he sort of passes being misplaced or anything like that. But he wouldn't. Pretty much everything that you threw at him in the air, and at the end of the game, um, found out that he'd been up all night the previous night throwing up and was up at six o'clock. So he basically played the game um, on half a stomach on about three hours sleep. So. I don't think anyone could really fault him after that, um, putting the team before himself, really. So, Yeah, Bolger yeah. won 20, 26 aerial duels, 77, mm. uh, made 26 aerial duels, 77% of them that he won. Um, yeah. Not bad for a player that was getting panned in pre-season. I, I, do you know what? I think the Shackle and Boswick duo has got some serious competition in Bolger. Um, I likened mm. him a little bit to Ben Futcher. He's not quite as ladle-footed as Ben was. I mean, Ben might as well have had shovels <laughs> on his feet, you know, but he was great in the air. 
bulges, bulges a little bit like that. He's a good threat going forward. You knew he wasn't quite right when he started staying back at corners, you know, and that's because he, he just couldn't get back in time if the ball was cleared. Um, yeah, do you know what? I'm on my little notes here and I, I do make notes. Um, I've got Bulger down as, as a got a star next to his name because uh, he did have a good afternoon. Let's not forget that Accrington um, didn't have Billy Key play him. So the lad up front, Colby Bishop, uh, played 10 games for Boston United a couple of years ago. He's only just come back into the Football League. Um, he mm. was all right. I just wonder maybe when Accrington have got a little bit more of a presence up front that hasn't just come out of non-league, if, if, if teams might not struggle, but certainly might have um, a little bit more problem dealing with them. Uh, but, the, you know, let's not, that's not taking away from, from Bolger and Boswick. Um, I mean, in total, I think between them, they made 49 aerial duels. So, and Bosley won 83% of his. So there wasn't a lot come long, but there was enough, and, and they certainly dealt with it. Um mm. You talked about your biggest surprise. I mean, yeah, I was, I was really surprised to see um, O'Connor start, delighted to see O'Connor start. Uh, the dynamic with him and Morrell worked really well. And without wanting to sound harsh, when I heard the next day that Tom Pep was going to be out for six to eight weeks, I kind of thought, well, rather it be Pep than a Toffolo or an Erdley or something like that, because at least Tom's position is one that, that he's, he's tough. You know, it's going to be tough for Tom Pep to get back in the side because Joe Morrell... Mm. Uh, is a real footballer. You know, he's, he's, he was quality. And I gave O'Connor my man of the match. Um, but afterwards, with reflection, you know what, Joe Morrell wasn't far off. I mean, he had a masterclass in midfield. Um, mm. But neither of us are talking about the what was, for me, the biggest surprise of the day. Um, and that was Tyler Walker starting over John. Now, mm. the reason it was a surprise was because I felt that it was a slap in the face for John. Yeah. You know, if you take the two players on last season and you, you kind of understand that Walker coming in late and the, the pedigree that he's got, it probably wasn't a surprise. He probably will start more games than John Akindi. Um, but it was just a surprise for him to come in on a Friday and start on a Saturday. Uh, Walker didn't score. We're all talking about Grant and Payne and all this sort of stuff. Uh, we had six shots on target. Two of them were goals, obviously. The other th- three of the others were Tyler Walker. Uh, he didn't have a shot off target. All of his efforts were at goal. They were all saved, but they were all at goal. He went in for 51 jewels for the ball, which is more than any other player on our team, winning 37% of them. And oddly enough, the most played direct forward pass was Josh Vickers to Tyler Walker. So we're saying that we're playing this nice new football, but the most progressive football that we played was the big boot down to the centre forward. Um, <laughs> it, it was only on seven occasions in, in open play. The uh, the best link-ups that we had were O'Connor and Erdley, Morrell and... Um, Oh God, Morell and Grant and Morell and Toffolo. And that tells you everything you need to know, I think, about, uh, about Joe Morell. So... But yeah, interesting. Interesting with Walker. I don't think an awful lot changed, aside from the fact that Walker was up front and the the three behind him were were more in control of the passes that they were making. Yeah, um, it, it it was uh, that's that's really interesting stuff. Actually, it was um, t- when uh, when we were sort of going forward and. I think the one thing that I really enjoyed about Saturday was just how much freedom um, Toffolo seemed to have. He he definitely got a lot more. Um, I mean, he's, he's had it last season um, in a couple of you know a couple of instances, but when he gets that 
moment where he can overlap with the with the winger and and sort of make a little burst into the box. It's I, I get the feeling that something's always going to happen when he gets that chance, um, and he, he looked really dangerous on Saturday. Um, the one thing that uh, I sort of what I think I tweeted out during the game um, was that our our midfield looked absolutely frightening. Um, and I said this before the season, like, you know, with the, with the signings that we've made, you've got the ability in there to hold it up with O'Connor. He can do, like you say, the, the dirty work. He can sit back and he can, you know, invite pressure onto him and, and win the ball and come away with it. And then he can play it out to Morel or Payne, who can burst forward with a bit of pace and a bit of trickery and then pass that out to the, uh, you know, out onto the wing with, with either it's Grant or it's, uh, it's Andrade out on the wing and then Harry Anderson on the other side. It's it's a terrifying prospect to be up against as a you know as a defender um, or another another team's midfield I think and um, you know let's let's not take away anything from any of the players I think they pretty much everybody had a decent game on Saturday I don't think there was one player that came away from it going oh I don't know I wouldn't start them next week mm, maybe not but it was uh, it, it gives Danny a, a bit of a headache in the good way I guess to to have quite a lot of quality to choose well. I say quite a lot of. Obviously, we're, we're a bit lacking in a couple of areas, but in you know, in terms of depth, but you've got some decent options in front of you to uh, to pick a decent first eleven. Yeah, there's still a huge worry about depth um, at the moment. I think. Yeah. When you looked at the bench, uh, you have to wonder if we are actually going to send Alex Bradley and um, and Jordan Adebayo Smith out on loan because if we do, who's who's going to play? Um, you know, the injuries are not helping mm. either. Uh, I think both. You know, Bozzy Bulger and, and Michael O'Connor perhaps wouldn't have started if we'd got cover in those areas. So I think um, mm. I think that's something just to bear in mind as we go forward. But look, we're talking about one game here in which in which we had a, a very very good very good performance. Um, it's interesting though because I actually looked at number of passes because I thought I thought that we'd put a really slick passing game together and I thought you know I'm going to look at this and I'm going to see how many more passes we played and uh, and be really impressed. Um, we actually played fewer passes than all of our final games last year bar Carlisle and MK Dons. Really? So we played, yeah, we played fewer passes than we, than Colchester. We played fewer passes than when we played Newport and when we played Tranmere Rovers. Now, some people might look at that as a negative. I actually see a real positive there because it means that when we are playing these passes, um, we're much more effective because we were, like, you know, there's no doubt about it. You can talk about all the numbers you want. And I, I think this was a point that um, Jack Mulhall made to me um, in his usual succinct manner on Twitter uh, after I'd analysed the stats for the Colchester game and said, oh, we didn't actually play badly because look, this stat, that stat and this stat. And he came back and said, yeah, but we were crap. <laughs> and you're not going to tell me any other. And that's, you know, that's true. Stats can make, can say anything you want. And I think the proof was, um, in the way that we attacked, you know, we might have played fewer passes, but those passes were much, much better. Mm. It's as simple as that. And you know, numbers can say a lot. XG is interesting. You know, expected goals is something that people talk about quite a lot. Um, and expected goals is based on quality of chances, positions that you get into, all that sort of stuff. And our XG uh, for this game was 2.32, um, which was considerably better in every game last season all the way back until the Oldham game which was 2.95 and I think the second half of the Oldham match when they were down to 10 men was probably 
uh, a similar sort of performance to this one. So it took us to go down to 10 men last year before we could put this passing game together and find the space. Now we've got the players to play the passing game and we don't need that disadvantage for the for the opposition. So that's interesting. And also we just touch on the crosses. I mean, I'm loving this new stats programme and, and listeners, if you hate it, please... Um, keep it to yourself and um, no uh, <laughs> you know do let us know but you were talking there about crosses and in actual fact Harry Toffolo got more crosses in than anybody else on our team he got seven crosses in uh, this week uh, but only 14% accuracy next up Jack Payne got five crosses in with 80% accuracy and that is the quality that Jack Payne has and that's no disrespect to Harry because, like, look, you know, you can put a cross in and it can be a great cross and it can be cut out and that's a failed cross. Mm. But for me, when you've got Jack Payne there with 80% accuracy, um, and it was the second goal really summed it up, didn't it? I know it was a penalty, but it was the way that we kind of broke down one side. We got the, the crossover that came back over again. We've just put quality in the right areas. And Danny was quite right. We need to make sure that we still have that steal. And the early indications are, you know, when you've got a big ginger centre half who's playing 90 minutes after he's been chucking his guts up for the previous 12 hours or whatever, I think that shows the spirit is is, is there. And um, probably not in poor old Kian Bolger, bless him. He probably felt completely devoid of spirit yeah. at five o'clock. Um, so it's, it's a good start. I'm not getting carried away, uh, apart from with my stats, obviously, which, um, you know, I think I'm a little bit of a geek. Um <laughs> But I'm not going to start saying things like, you know, we can be top six. I've said anyway that, you know, just outside the top 10 would be would be good. Um, but we've got a favourable start and, and winning is a habit, as Danny tells us. And if we get into the winning habit, then teams such as Sunderland, Ipswich, teams like that are actually not going to want to play us. Um, and I th- do you know what? I actually think psychologically we're talking about how difficult this division is. And me and you talked about it. Um, we talk about the players that we're going to come up against, all that sort of stuff. But I think that's a pre-season notion. And do you know what? I think when you get to October, November, and you see Sunderland drawing with Oxford and then you beat them, or you see Fleetwood beating Peterborough and then going to Accrington and losing when you're beating them, a level of parity starts to build. And then we'll get into that anyone can beat anyone on that day. And all of a sudden, Sunderland aren't the former Premier League team with £6 million worth of strikers. They're just another team that you can beat on your day. And this season's going to get more exciting as it goes on. And I know that that sounds utterly ridiculous, but it is because this is not this is a one-off result. And I think at the back of all our minds, we're thinking we'll beat Accrington 2-0, but it's only the start. But if we get to October and we are 11th or 12th and we are putting wins like this together, you know, there's no reason to fear anybody in this division. Mm. Absolutely no reason whatsoever. Mm. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think uh, it's probably a decent spot to to, to introduce uh, what is going to be a new feature going forward, um, particularly at home games. Um, Jake, our man on the ground, as it were, he was hanging around outside the co-op stand at the end of the game and uh, passed it over to these supporters to have a few words. So what did you think of that, Ian? Pretty good performance. The three midfielders... Excellent play. Love the link up between Grant and Tuffalo. Yeah. Potential players of the season, Tuffalo and Grant. I hope not. Um, I thought Tuffalo marshalled the defence well, <laughs> uh, along with Bostwick and yeah. uh, Kian. Yeah. <laughs> 
What about what, how do you think we're going to adjust to life in League One? Do you think, based off today's performance, we could we could make a a good stand for ourselves? Well, on that showing, yeah, but we've got to put teams away when we're on top. Uh, another day, Walker would have had a hat trick. Excellent goalkeeping, but yeah. And overall pretty good and he's obviously Tyler's a new signing uh, do you think he's going to settle in do you think we can play him over John Akinde technically or do you think he'll play up front on his own most of the time I, th- I think the pair could play together but who do you leave out absolutely absolutely thank you very much how did you think it went today then yeah it was a good display very good uh, pity we couldn't have gotten a second goal a bit earlier made us all sweat slightly but yeah I was uh, quite impressed and the new boys settling in seem to be quite well the new lads in midfield yeah the three of them did uh, a very good job uh, a bit different to what we've had before so it's nice to see something different which we're going to need in this division because it's a step up and do you think the players that Danny's brought in over the summer the likes of Walker and, and Payne are going to uh, uh, sort of showing that we're going to play a different way this season compared to last year most definitely obviously we've lost Reedy so the uh, oof up front's gone majority of the time so yeah it looked nice and slick uh, obviously it's early days but uh, given time I think we're going to uh, put on a good display and I think you know there's a little chance that we might push up the league uh, quite well this year brilliant thank you very much yep that's great thank you Jake if you see him coming and pointing his phone at you at a home game uh, please give him a couple of seconds of your time. We might not use everybody's, but uh, we'll, we'll certainly use a few. Do introduce yourself as well, so the world knows who to blame if they don't agree with you. Um, <laughs> possibly this weekend at Rotherham, I shall certainly be on the prowl, uh, and I'm driving, sadly, so uh, I won't be on the source, so I might come and stick a phone in your face as well. So There you go. So um, next up, what we're going to do is we're going to preview... Um, Saturday's game today and then we're probably going to get a, a quick podcast done on Sunday for Monday morning possibly something like that um, so we can preview the Tuesday game in the Carabao Cup so um, yeah let's let's talk about Rotherham because uh, I think this is going to be well it's, it's going to be drastically different isn't it from uh, from yes well from Saturday's game um, yeah it's got to be it's yeah. got to be. They're a quality side. Um, obviously, they uh, they got off to a good start as well, didn't they, this week? Um, was it 2-0? Did they win 2-0? I've got my football uh, league paper next to me. I've been writing about it all week. 2-1, that was right. Joe Pickett scored for Wimbledon. Um, so they've gone away. They've got a good win. They're expected to be amongst the favourites uh, this season. So, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. Not a nice ground. Rotherham are where we want to be in three years' time. And I'm not talking about League One uh, as such. They're yo-yoing between League One and the Championship and they're a side that are no bigger than us. Their ground is about the same sort of size we would probably be building if we move grounds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I've known as Tussle with Rotherham in the lower reaches of the division on numerous on the divisions on numerous occasions. Um same with Doncaster as well, really. So on the face of it, yes, it's going to be a very tough game. If you think about the size and stature of the two clubs and put aside recent history, it's the sort of game that we should really be going and competing in. I, I, you know, I can see us going and certainly giving them a good game. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, if we can, I think we'd be probably a bit um, optimistic to say that I'm, I'm anticipating or expecting a win at the weekend. I think if we go there and give them a decent game, then that's the best that we can hope for. 
um, well, the best that we can, you know, plan for. Um, I know that Danny's not going to go there with the same mentality. I know he's going to go there to win because that's what he does with every game. And uh, we all know that he likes being the underdog. So I think this is going to be the first of a few like bigger tests. Um, I know Rotherham are probably going to be one of the teams up there in, in terms of favourites to uh, to get into the top six. And I think, I don't know, I'm, I'm just, I'm expecting it to be a decent game. Uh, unfortunately, I can't go this weekend. I've got to work, but um, I'm really, really excited to to see how people uh, how people see the game and, and to listen to the commentary and, and see what goes on. Um, I, I, I'm not expecting three points. I'm just expecting it to be kind of a, a typical battling Lincoln performance. And I think this is where you said earlier that, that Danny mentioned that we still need the grit. We still need the resilience. I think this is the kind of game that proves it because if we're going to, if we go there, if we go there trying to outplay Rotherham, hello, Charlie. I think if we go there trying to outplay Rotherham, um, I think we'll we'll come away with nothing. But I think if we go there and, and do what Lincoln City do, I think we'll be all right. Yeah, I know we've we've got to go there and um, and give them a game. I don't think we'll go and do as you just say very succinctly put it, what Lincoln City do, because I I don't I don't think the players that we've got now fit with the sort of performance that we put in at say MK Dons last season um, in that kind of direct approach. And I'm not saying we were direct on, uh, that might be a bad choice of game, to be honest. Um, you know, we're still going to be strong. We're still going to be organised. But I mm. think that our route to goal is very different. However, I think when you play the type of football that we do, when you come up against teams that play that same type of football, you actually stand more of a chance. So I think that will play uh, a little into our hands um, because rather I'm not going to go long all the time. You know, they're... Um, they're not that sort of football team. They they do play some nice football. They play a, what looks like a four three three with uh, with a holding midfielder in Dan Barley, so, uh, who's on loan from Newcastle. Uh, two midfielders in front of him. Matt Crooks, one of them, is very good. I think he was at Northampton before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a, a three man forward line. Really interested to see how we deal with that forward line as well. Um, because they've got some good players, but one of them I I think is overrated, and that might come back to severely bite me on the arse. But they paid half a million pounds for Freddie Ladapo in uh, in the summer from Plymouth Argyle, uh, and he scored seventeen, eighteen goals, something like that for Plymouth last year. Um, but before that, he's had a really odd uh, football career, and by odd, I mean he's he started out as a trainee. Um, in the Football League. He dropped out of the Football League. He ended up going to, uh, I think it was Kidderminster, I might be wrong. They even loaned him out in the National League. He was playing for Margate, I believe. Um, all of this might be wrong, by the way. I might be getting completely the wrong teams. <laughs> but I know that I'm know that i getting the right... Um, uh, no, it was. I've just checked. Kidderminster, Margate. There we go. Uh, while playing for Margate, he went and had a trial at Crystal Palace. And Crystal Palace in the Premier League went, yeah, we like him. Signed him and stuck him in against Manchester United um, after he dropped out of the Football League. Uh, since then, he's kind of he's been around a bit. He failed at Shrewsbury, failed at Southend. 18 goals for Plymouth and now he's at Rotherham. Did score at the weekend. There's going to be a lot of focus on him. Um but I'm, I'm I'm not so sure. And if he, if he does come and he does score, then yeah, I'm, I'm going to apologise now. Hmm. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there we go. It's famous last words, isn't it? Uh, another lad that I, 
another lad that um, there's two others that I want to talk about. The first one is striker Michael Smith. He's the one that I think that we should be worried about. He's been at Darlington, Charlton, uh, Swindon, Portsmouth. Very decent lad. They've got Carl Vassell makes up the three-man front line, which I would expect them to play. Uh, but they've got an old friend of ours at the back who, um, well, it'll, let's put it this way. It'll absolutely kill him if we win 3-2. Hmm. Uh, any guesses? No. That'll kill Lincoln. Was the famous saying from oh, Michael, God, yeah. and I'm going to be terrible at his name, Ihiwiki. Yes. Something like that. He plays centre-half yeah. now for uh, for Rotherham, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, to see him in action. Uh, okay. He's done well for himself, hasn't he? I think he left yeah. Tranmere, went to Accrington, so... Yeah, wow. I didn't realise he was there. Yes, they've got a left-back Joe Mattock as well, really good. He's been uh, he's played Premier League football, I believe. He was at Leicester. I think he was capped by England up to something like under-20 level. So um, it's a different you know, it's, it's a different proposition altogether. Um, last year, they were the, the paupers of the championship. This year, they're, they're amongst the rich men of, of the uh, League One. Five hundred thousand pounds doesn't sound like a lot of money, but that's the level that the top six are at, isn't it? You've got Portsmouth signing Marquis, you've got Sunderland, okay, they haven't paid cash from McNulty, you've got Rotherham with Ladapo, you've got Coventry signing Matty Godden. Um I actually think Tyler Walker could be as good as, as several of those players. If you'd offered me Ladapo or Walker at the beginning of the season, I would have taken Walker, whether it's on loan or not. So um yeah. It's going to be interesting. Paul Warren, their manager, once kicked a ball in my face while I was poacher as well. But you'll know yeah. that if you've read my book. I'm halfway through it. Like, so the beginning, <laughs> so you should remember that. Um, <laughs> shit. <laughs> anyway, the first game back. It was the first game back after we were relegated out of uh, out of the third tier last time. And I went and kicked the ball away from him and he came and smashed it in my face. And then he came on and scored a last-minute goal for them, and we won two-one. And I cannot remember us beating Rotherham other than that. I'm sure we have. Um, no, I, I well, I, I don't really recall playing them if I'm brutally honest. But losing six-nil in 2011 at home, we lost the opening game of that season, 0-10-11 to them as well. I went to that one, and it was. Uh, I think it was we equalised in the last minute or something, and then Adam Lafondra went up and scored, and they won two one. Uh, we lost, I believe, the first game of the Magnificent Seven era as well. Uh, yeah, uh, that actually, yeah, that that rings a bell now. To Rotherham, so we do, just every every time I think about Rotherham, I just think about losing to them, um, unfortunately, and I, you know, anything well, other than that result will be a good result. Yeah, I was going to say, like, hopefully we won't uh, we won't have you know that that to to contemplate next week, but uh, we shall certainly see. Um, I'm just trying to think: is there anything else that we need to talk about this week? Uh, at the moment, I, do you know what? I've actually just looked, and we did we beat Rotherham on the seventh of August, ninety nine. Before right. that, the last time we beat them was nineteen seventy nine. Wow. And the last time we <laughs> won at their place looks like it was 1957. Well, I definitely wouldn't have remembered that one. No, me either. 
before you get in some smart ass joke. Would I do such a thing? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, look, we know it's going to be a big task. History's not on our side and all that sort of stuff. So, um, there we go. Uh, we uh, One thing I would like to mention as well, Carabao Cup, can't be asked calling mm-hmm. it that. Should we just call it the EFL Cup? And we'll call yeah, the other yeah, sure. whatever they've sponsored it now, the EFL Trophy. Sponsors, yeah, yeah whatever What's it, it Something like, is it laywright.com or something? I can't remember what it is. Don't it's know. ridiculous. Didn't pay any attention. Although Rotherham got beat in it, didn't they, last night? Yeah. They played a, a relatively strong side as well against Man United uh, kids. Uh, Ladapo started as well as a couple of others and they got beat 2-0. Yeah, there we go. Don't be surprised if this isn't the year that a uh, an under-21 team get to the final at the very least. And as soon as mm. that happens, the illusion shatters. Yeah. That's going to be... Uh, it, it, I mean, we, we've obviously said that you know, we we possibly think that um, Danny might be taking it seriously this year, and I uh, I'm just waiting for, like you say, that moment when a an under twenty ones team, under twenty threes team, whatever it is, when that happens and they get to the final because it it will kick off, and rightly so. I think uh, it, it's decent enough to get them in the in the earlier rounds. I say it's decent enough. I mean, it's still not great, but yeah, I'd I'd like to see them. Um, I'd, I'd like to see them revert it back to a, 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 a competition of just the FL clubs, but uh, yes, we'll... well, you see, and I know that this isn't the conversation that we were particularly going down. I don't actually have any problem with under twenty-one teams in at the group stage. Um, absolutely not. Reason being, it's a good chance for us to give our fringe players a run out. Um, you know, a lot of good young players have come through uh, playing in this competition. It gives them a chance to pit themselves against kids of their own age, the likes of Ellis Chapman and Jordan Adebayo-Smith, who will more than likely get a game. You know, what better level to test yourself against than the Manchester United's equivalents? Um, mm. Don't have a problem with that. What I do have a problem with is if this trophy provides one of those teams with a pathway to the final. Because once you take away the possibility of a Wembley final, and okay, you don't take away the possibility, but once you snatch a Wembley final place away from one of the clubs, what I call the real clubs rather than an under-21 team, that shatters the illusion. That's what the the selling point of this trophy is. For Mm. me, it's more attractive than the EFL Cup or the League Cup because the League Cup, the prize money is rubbish. You're not guaranteed mm-hmm. a big draw anymore. Yeah, it used to be great when you had to play two legs. It was, you don't know if you remember that back then, but you used to have to play two legs against a team from your own level. And if you won that, all of the Championship and Premier League teams were in one pot and all of the others were in another pot. And it was just like you were seeded. So you were always guaranteed a big draw. It's how we got Crystal Palace and Everton and teams like that, Spurs, because you knew you were guaranteed it. And the EFL mm-hmm. Cup now, the League Cup now, it's just like, you know, if we got Huddersfield, that hell, that championship team away, you know, in the first round, load of guff. So th- there's no financial um, incentive for us to do well in it whatsoever. And I seem to think somebody, somebody did some maths last time, and I might be out wrong here, but to make the same amount, if you won all three group games in what I'll call the Mickey Mouse Trophy, and, and went through the, to the to the knockout stages. In order to do that, you would have need to have won through at least three rounds of the League Cup, and the first round is away at Huddersfield. I just 
you know I mean, I, I, I never thought I'd say this. I think the League Cup's a dead competition. I think it's a pointless competition. Don't see the point of it. Um, make the EFL trophy better. And I know that the likes of Nick and, and Marcus and the lads won't like hearing this, but if you want to keep your under-21 teams in, fine, because the money that they provide. But you've got to find a structure by which the two football league clubs get through to the final. And if that is parting of the ways after the group stage, so be it. If you make the group stage bigger, so you 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 have your, your group stage with however many under-21 teams, however many senior teams, and then your top under-21 team and the top two football league teams go through to a much smaller knockout phase. And then you play the two finals on the same day. So you have an under-21 competition, a knockout phase, where they only play like a quarter-final, semi-final. And then you have the same with a football league. And then it goes through to the final. And on that day, Arsenal kids play Man United kids before Lincoln, Portsmouth sauce. Didn't mm. get more bodies in that way as well. Yeah. I, so. I agree with you that I think the EFL Cup is is sort of a dying or dead cup. I think it's, you know, I don't remember the last time I saw anybody getting really excited about it in the same way that people say that the FA Cup's still got the magic or, the, you know, the, the league's still got you know, some element of competition in it. Um, yeah. Burton did last year then got through to the semi-final and then conceded 100 at Man City or whatever. Of course he did, Bradford, yeah. Bradford liked it in 2013 when they got through to the final and were whooped by Swansea but still won the playoffs. There, you yeah. know, there, there are moments there, but they just every year it just seems to be less and less attractive. It really mm. does. Making the draw in a supermarket nearly as ridiculous as making it in <laughs> Thailand. Might as well come and make it live on our pod, aren't they, Ben? Oh, yeah, I'd, I'd do that, actually. You know, get the numbers up. Yeah. By about... Why, are we two. suffering number-wise, are we? I don't no, know. no, we're doing really well, actually. We got oh. uh, had one of our best weeks ever last week. Well, that's because we did two pods. I was going to say, admittedly, I think that's because we did two podcasts, but it's, uh, mm. yeah, not doing too badly at all. Um, but yes, I think that's probably a good spot to, to wrap it up. Um, I think, uh, I don't think we've got anything really at the minute that we need to plug. No, I'm um, I'm thinking of taking adverts off the Stacey West uh, okay. But I still need, I need to, I mean, my hosting costs are quite significant now because um, I've had to do a gold package and blah, blah, blah. But I took all the adverts off at the moment trying to find that 503 error and the 503 error has stopped. Um, so I'm thinking of doing like a, like D3, D4 do, you know, like a, a, a pledge thing. Patreon thing. Yeah, whereby um, if people like the Stacey West and feel that they would like to contribute one, two or three pounds a month, um, towards the upkeep than they can, but still keeping it free. So if anybody's got any thoughts on that that don't include the words off and something that rhymes with luck, uh, do let me know. But it wouldn't be compulsory. At the end of the day, I, I want my writing to get out there, so I'm never going to make it a subscription site, but I just want to cover my costs, to be honest. Yeah, um, and I think that's yeah. that's completely fair. Um, it was something that, that I was going to float sort of off the record to, to you about the, the pod maybe, but we'll, we can have that conversation later. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it's, uh, I think it's probably, um, it, it's a good, it's a good option. Um, it definitely kind of helps people. Uh, I know some people that, that make a living off Patreon. Um, admittedly they do, uh, they do a lot bigger things in terms of the generic scope of what they do. And there's, 
They've got an enormous reach. Um, I think I read somewhere that there was one person on Patreon that was pulling in something like 20 grand a month. Yeah, I don't um, want that. I just want to cover my 60 grand, 60 grand, 60 quid a month costs or whatever it is. I'd, I'd have to double check. Once I've done yeah. that, I'm, I'm happy. And then, you know, people won't be getting adverts, uh, you know, oh, this woman in Lincolnshire made millions off dental cleaning or whatever the adverts are. So. I keep trying to find those hot mums in my area, Gary, and they're never there. Yeah. Well, do you know what? It's even harder to find them in my area because I live in the middle of about 20 fields. I'm out at <laughs> night with my torch looking for hot mums, um, not because I want a hot mum, because I want to know what the you know, they're doing in the field beyond my house. Hot mums <laughs> in Withcall. I know everybody in Withcall. There's no hot mums. They're all 75. <laughs> Ridiculous. No, uh, but do you know what? That adverts like that, I actually think sully uh, the the site a little bit, um, and I'm not criticising because obviously I you know I work for the, the company that puts them on, um, but they don't have a lot of control over the specific adverts. Um, yeah. But anyway, there we go. I was going to say something else as well, but I can't remember for the life of me what it was. Was it buy your book? No, do it anyway. Do you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But, um, um, no, so no doubt. As soon as we finish recording, I'll go. Oh, I know what I was going to say. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. But yes, we will. Uh, we will see you guys. Oh, I know what it was. There we go. Oh, no, no, I know what it was. Have we got a new jingle yet? Uh, we haven't. No, because I'm. I'm still waiting for the the, the the files. Don't blame me. Don't blame me. You had the audacity file. You could play with it anyway. No, so no, we haven't got a new jingle yet, listeners. You didn't know we were getting one, but we are. Yeah, we're waiting on the uh, amateur. The amateur me put it together, and the professional Ben uh, hasn't had the right files to to make it sound like it wasn't put together by an amateur. <laughs> Something like that. Yes, as soon as we can, we will have a new jingle, and uh, hopefully, everyone will like it. But uh, until then, we'll see you guys. Well, I won't see you on Saturday. Gary will probably see you Saturday, um, and I Not will see you. Well, some of you. If you if you see Gary, yeah. say hello and tell him he looks like Doctor Robot. I'll try. I'll, I'll try and get around everybody, but you know, I'm busy man. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we will see you next week if we don't see you at the game. And uh, enjoy. All right. See you later. Take it easy, ladies and gents. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24 7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute, and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow. You've got your McNugget share boxes on the go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, but then you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.